When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fallout Roundtable. This is a place where diverse individuals discuss various topics from the Fallout universe. Join us, the conversation has already started. Welcome to another episode of the Fallout Roundtable. I am your host, or at least one of them, Maverick Stone. God, I just had a brain fart the entire intro, but... We're going to keep going. We're going to keep sliding down this runway. Today, we have a very special episode. Before we get into our episode, let me introduce everyone that's here. Uh, Jax's sassy lady, Romer's here, and our special guest, Brad, from Once Upon a Wasteland. Everyone say hi. To Jax. Hi. Hi, us. Hey, hey. Hello. Awesome, guys. I've been listening to a lot of 80s rock lately, so I'm like, hmm. But anyway, before we get onto our topic and stuff, how about you rate, review, subscribe to us on our YouTube channel, The Fallout Roundtable. That's how you search us up. On our, you can send us a message at Twitter at FalloutRTB, or you can send us an email, FalloutRTB at gmail.com. Yeah. Let's get into it. First of all, I want to welcome first-time guest on the show, Mr. Brad Williams from Once Upon a Wasteland. Uh, tell really us your about yourself, time? Brad. Yeah, this is first time. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, no, no, yeah, so, I, I know. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, my my name is Brad Williams. I'm the the creator and EP of Once Upon a Wasteland. It's a I, it's a show that I make with my uh, wonderful and amazing and uh, fabulous co-producer Atriol Plays. Um, it's been on the air since 2021 we have two full seasons in the can season three has just started production we have some lines rolling in we have some scripts written and uh a big portion of this season ties into the topic of today's episode which is which is why i'm here so we uh you know uh, great times we we have a lot of fun stuff coming on we will have a float in the upcoming bethesda fallout 76 fifth birthday parade we recorded that last night with tuniversal my my good friend and fellow veteran of junka shine runs with ken uh yeah. so yeah exciting times lots of great stuff going on awesome so uh what is your uh, how did you get started in fallout i started out in fallout um I, the first Fallout game that I played was Fallout 4. I played it at launch on PlayStation. My son liked Fallout. Um, he had played some of the earlier games. So when that came out, I tried it, loved it. Um, you know, it was, it was, it's a Bethesda game. It was a little bit buggy at the, at the start, had, had some issues here and there. But as Bethesda always does, they righted the ship, released some really fantastic DLC, played through it, I think five times, five full playthroughs, just testing different factions, doing different things, exploring all that kind of thing. And I enjoyed it. So Fallout 76 came out very excited. Uh, I'm not an, uh, an MMO RPG fan. Uh, it's right. not something I really do. So I was concerned about that part. 
Um, that part really turned it, that really turned out not to be an issue. Uh, but I played for about a week, maybe two weeks, and then stopped. And I didn't come back until after Wastelanders came out because I was so frustrated with the game and yeah. how empty it was, how broken it was, how unbalanced yes. it was. Yeah, it was. So I just so I, I just I just dropped it, and I was like, you know what? But then Wastelanders came out again, another another shot. Um, then of course in terms of podcasting, I saw a post on Reddit from a guy named Lawrence who does a show called the modus files. who was looking for voice actors. He, he had already been doing his show for a little bit at that point, but he, he, it wasn't really full cast at that point. It was really mostly narration with a couple of voices. So he, he was expanding it out to full cast. I auditioned for the role of modus. He liked what I did. So I've been doing that role, uh, ever since Forever. and i've done and i've done i've done several other roles in that i i've kind of stepped aside as the as the go-to person to, to do um every voice all the, that, all the extra voices comes in. yeah chris chris takes care of that now he's he's more suited to that than i am i i just I, I don't have the the bandwidth to do that now with with uh with my show and all the other stuff going on it's yeah but yeah we I, in October 2021 is when we launched our show and and it's it's taken off things have been great we've won awards Bethesda's gotten behind us we partnered with them on some stuff it's it's uh you know it's 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 been it's been it's been That's quite cool. a ride That is very cool. You have a great show. If you guys haven't listened to Once Upon a Wasteland, you're missing out cuz it's a really great show with some really great voice talent. Um it's a really great story. It's very immersive. You can get like lost in it. It's really good stuff. So you should listen to it. Those those awards were well deserved. I voted for you. So. Thank you. <laughs> I did. Well now, well now now we have we have awards for best writing, best show art which Charo Miami did the show art for <laughs> season 2, so she's responsible for that and, and a darling mess did the text logo that we used in season 2 which won the award. Best editing wow. and uh best overall scripted fiction are the are the categories that we won and we have a total of 8 awards with uh just specifically with the signal awards now. So yeah, it's wow. uh the, the the line keeps going up. So as long as, as long as we keep that's doing that cool. then that's then that's that's a good thing. That's cool. That's definitely very neat to have that all you know all those lined up. All those shiny toys that you were showing off earlier. I, I, I need I need a bigger shelf. I, I, I You're only going have, to need a bigger shelf. You're going to need another room. <laughs> I know. I only have the two from last year up now. Uh, but, but V has hers and uh, she'll be getting some more of those. Obviously, like I said, she's a co-producer. She's vitally important to everything that we do. She's she is everything to the show. She is uh, she's she's my muse. She's my inspiration. She there's so much of her in this show in my writing. So she doesn't just play one of the lead roles. She mm -hmm. does have a hand in in every aspect of the of the production. We and and there's also some some. You know, I was joking. Letitia hated. I don't think she liked it what I said, but I I said uh, she's Fallout royalty. Letitia right. Lemon, who plays yeah. Beth, the 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 lead lead character, and we have Lucy Middleton, who also plays a lead. She's big in Fallout, uh, in yes. uh, Fallout Five O, of course. You know, mm -hmm. one of the most well respected groups out there. Her and her husband Ray, um, yep. and we've had we've had a lot of people from both from the Fallout community appear. But I I cast without fear or favor. Uh, I always cast with an eye toward who the best person for a role is. So I have used the show's reach to pull from a lot of different places. And we've gotten several really awesome people who, who do stuff completely unrelated to fallout. And that's, and, and tying back into this topic and, and what I may, if I have a chance to, if it becomes relevant to the conversation, the way that I tell the story is it's very much based in fallout. It's, it's, it's a fallout story. It's right in the title, but I 
approach it differently than I think other storytellers in this space do. Lawrence and Ken being the the the, the two biggest in the space. Uh, I look at it in the same way that Todd Howard described the way that they're approaching the Fallout TV show. Whereas I look at Fallout as a canvas to paint on. They've created this world. Let's operate within that world. Don't contradict anything that's in canon, but mm -hmm. explore the possibilities that this universe provides to tell stories. Like I'm, I'm personally not interested in retelling stories or right. diving deeper into stories that have already been told within the game. That's not to say that's wrong or that that's a bad approach. Uh, right, it's been no. done. It's been done very well by Kenny and by Lords. It's just mm -hmm. not something I don't think I'd be able. To, I don't think I'd be good at it because I'm not interested in doing that. So if you've listened to anybody who's listened to the show knows, I take things in a different direction, but in a way that's always, in my opinion, and I, and I think most people's opinion, still very lore friendly. And there's nothing right. about it that that makes people think. Well, this isn't Fallout, except the one review we got, but that wasn't because of lore. That was for a yeah, but it's reason. also set up to where the um, you can actually grab your element of of the storytelling and combine it very easily with like what Lawrence is doing, right? You know, as we've seen with certain collaboration elements, yeah, and yeah, yeah. so they they do have a blending element. Well, it's like you said. I mean, you don't conflict with the actual story; it's there. Mm -hmm. You know, you can refer to it because yeah. it's a thing that happened in the game. You just don't, like you said, you're not retelling that story. It's just mm -hmm. like, it's out there. You're just doing your own thing. And I yeah, think that's and, cool. And, and, and I think the, the the way that I, that I like to look at it is like, I think the Mandalorian is something that did this real, really well, where there were all of these things that were referred to in Star Wars lore. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm not a super hardcore fan. Like I've seen all of the films, but I never watched Rebels or I never watched yeah. Clone Wars and I never read any of the EU stuff. Yeah, N None of that stuff. But I watched oh, The Mandalorian. Yeah. And even though I knew there were references to things that were from those worlds, mm -hmm. it didn't take away from my enjoyment of it. So that's kind of the model that, that, I, that I worked with. And yeah. I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who said, I've had people say, I didn't know. I guess they didn't look at the title. I didn't know that this was based on an existing IP. Like I didn't know this was about something else. I thought this was a completely from like Polaroid story. Concept. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and that's that's what I want. I wanted to do something that was accessible to everybody. Right, and to it's, not it's just a, Fallout people. Right. It's 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 a tough balance because you don't mm -hmm. want to piss off Fallout fans and, right. and have them be like, "Well, this has no, this is not Fallout." Yeah. And you also don't want. I mean, I don't want you don't want to shut out non follow. Yeah, that from people on the outside because I I want to tell a story that people enjoy. That's that's my thing. And to this me, is, I this put is it a... in the same guise as True Vault Escapades mm -hmm. because yeah. of how far off. I mean, even though they do mention vaults and things like that, the you know um, his style of doing uh, his storytelling style is very detached. Mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. the whole fallout yeah and universe. he just kind of yeah. does his own thing too yeah he just yeah his own story. And, and actually that's that's a good analog because i'm what he's doing is he's telling a noir detective story mm -hmm. in the world of fallout he's not telling necessarily so much a fallout story that is a noir detective story so it's, it's sort of yeah. which which direction you approach from and i think i approach from a similar direction that preston does and obviously yeah. preston's amazing he's, he does fantastic work oh, he's he really got does. probably the most experience of everybody when it he's comes been at to it for a long time. It. Oh, yeah. He's been doing it for yeah. over 16 years. So, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. been at he's it. He's been doing it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. He was the first one that I knew of. And every, when mm -hmm. I first discovered him, I was like, oh my gosh, this is yeah. so and, great. And, and Ken, of course, Ken did the first Fallout 76 podcast. And also, mm -hmm. Ken, I think, is. He's, I don't, I shouldn't even say, I think, I know. I mean, this is, this is, I don't think this is a subject of debate. He's the guy that really got 
Fallout story podcast and sort of into the mainstream of of the right. Fallout community. He, he was and, my first introduction yeah. into it, and like mm-hmm. I said multiple times, uh, he he's the reason I got back into being in media at all. You know, mm-hmm. and then Lawrence is the one that got me back into voice acting, and you know that's mm-hmm. how I got introduced to you. Yeah, well, and, and, and Lawrence and Lawrence has said, I mean, Lawrence has told this story, and he tells it better than I do, obviously, because it's his story. But he, the whole reason that Modus Files exists is because Ken encouraged him mm-hmm. to, because he he had it written down as like a novel, you know, a novel. He form. was trying to and find Ken, a novel way, but he was yeah. also trying to avoid any kind of copyright problems and things like that. Yeah, and and, all, yeah. and also publishing a novel is mm-hmm. it's difficult and it's a pain in the butt. Ken was like, "Why don't you do it as a podcast?" And he, and he, right. and he didn't, and and the rest has been history. Yeah. The, the one thing that, that kind of gives me joy about it is, like I said, you know, people have come to me and said, hey, I didn't know this was a fallout thing. I've also had people say that our show is the only it, some say it's the only fallout sto- show that they're aware of. Like they they didn't know that there were other shows, which is crazy to wow. me because because Ken has such a high profile mm-hmm. um, and obviously he has seven, eight hundred thousand downloads now, maybe. I, I haven't looked recently. Last time I looked, it was like six hundred. So it's probably seven or eight hundred now. But you know, the the the, uh, the external recognition we've gotten with stuff like the Signal Awards, uh, different film festivals, other other things, and the adoption that we've gotten outside of the Fallout world is cool because in, and I think maybe that's one of the things I, I don't know because I haven't I haven't talked to him about it, but I wonder if that's one of the things that that makes Bethesda feel that I'm a good partner for them because I I'm able to sort of evangelize the world of Fallout in, in an organic way that isn't it, that's kind of a it, it's a tough it's a tough thing to pull off because you really do have to kind of toe that line in, in a way in, in the way that they're trying to do with the fallout TV show. And right. we've all seen adaptations of video games that verge too far in one direction or the other and they, and they fall flat. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and we've seen the fan films, you know, I mean, there, there's the fan films that were created before and some of them are pretty spot on. Um, I can't remember the names of them off the top of my head right now, but you could, you, know, you, you could, uh, Nuka break. Nuka break. Nuka break. Nuka break. That's it. Okay, really, the next word. really, really with the, you know, the feeling of the, of the game itself. But there's so many that went like far into departure land that it, mm-hmm. it didn't even feel like the same thing. Mm-hmm. But um, so what we're going to do real quick, folks, I'm sorry to jump in. I, I got to be the producer Nazi for a moment. Uh, we got to stop for a moment. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to actually get into the topic of today, which is the Dunwich Horror or is it Dunwich Horror or Dunwich Mystery? I mean, it, it, it's the whole mythos behind the whole well, thing, the, right? Yeah, the tie-in of right. Fallout so We'll and be all right the... back after this message, and then we'll get right into the topic, all right? Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful here on The Content Creator's Guide. Available wherever podcasts can be found. Welcome back. Hey, how you doing? What's up? All right. So we're going to get into this Dunwich Horror stuff, which I'm a novice here, guys. So I've got questions because I've like looked into it. I like Sassy sent me a video and I was watching it. I played the games. So I've kind of bumped into this Dunwich universe a little bit, but I'm still kind of lost in in the in the mud here. So I'm going to turn things back over to Sassy and let her kind of educate us here on what the hell this is all about. Well, it's not so much. So it's I don't know what we were talking what about. I've been in chat. It is. Yeah. I don't know what we were talking about in chat one day, but Brad just 
pops off and says, oh, you know, the whole tie-in, the Dunwich Horror and the Lovecraftian stuff with Fallout. And I'm like, yeah, there is a lot. And then I didn't even realize how much until I watched that video. If you guys are wondering, Epic Nate does a video on, on YouTube. He did one a couple months back. And he talks about, trying to remember the title of the video. I he right talks here. about called, Fallout's all Dunwich the mystery keeps getting weirder. Yeah. Because he talked about the tie-ins from Fallout 3, Fallout 4, the DLCs, um, 76. And I think he even referred to, I think it was like there was some reference in Fallout 1, or the actual just Fallout game, um, I believe. So just different things like that. So if you're a big Lovecraftian fan, you know, the Cthulhu stuff, uh, this might be like right up your alley and you probably have already seen a lot of these um, overlaps and things. But apparently the Bethesda devs are also Lovecraftian fans because there's a lot of this stuff kind of just buried and tucked in here and there in the game that you'll, well, (laughs) several of the games that you'll find here and there. Well, it's so, when I first heard the term Cthulhu, like I never really understood what that was. I still don't really understand what it is, but I understand that H.P. Lovecraft has got a lot to do with whatever that is. He's the writer, and he wrote about, it's like a town, right, that he wrote about that it was, uh, I'm trying to remember, it's been so long ago. I never actually read the book, but I had a, a synopsis. Well, um, there, he has a book called And the then Call Nate touches on it, too. Yeah. So it's like a town in Massachusetts, right? Do you know? Yep. Did you read the book, Brad? Do you yep. know more about it? it? It's it's been a very long time since I, I was I was into it for a few years when I was in college, I think, and I read everything then. But my knowledge has escaped my my civ like brain for a lot of this stuff. We're getting to that age, right? <laughs> oh, I've been I've been at that age for a while. I I, I hit that. I I, I peaked there early. My tech calls it Halfheimers because you, it, you know, you don't have Alzheimer's. You have Halfheimers, and you know that you're losing your mind. So it's sad. <laughs> um, yeah. So from what I remember from the overview that I got from the video, there's a little town in Massachusetts, and I'm probably going to screw this up because I'm probably like mixing things up and making them up in my head now. But I believe there were these people that had a barn, and they kept building their barn bigger and people around them wondered why they were building the barn bigger because their cattle herd was not getting bigger. In fact, they were slightly disappearing. Like it was shrinking a bit and it came to find out that, well, weird things were happening in their family too, but come to find out that they were raising a child who was abnormally large. Like that's why the barn kept getting bigger of one of these what are they elder gods, gods. elder gods thank you see maybe romer knows speak up oh, romer romer is all about yeah i'm like neck deep in uh delta green if you know what that's about so yeah it's so all tell about, us uh, about it <laughs> well i mean it, it that think of uh um think of delta green is it's a, it's a tabletop rpg that is uh um, it's like X Files, but it delves into the the Cthulhu mythos type stuff, the Elder Gods, the okay. unknowable horrors, and stuff like that. But okay. um, 
And now I'm getting things mixed up, mixed up in my brain too. <laughs> we're, um, all, we're all that age. Um, well, basically, so what people have noticed, if you play the the Fallout series, you've noticed that, um, for instance, Nate started at Fallout Four um, in his video. He's he touched on Fallout 4 first because there's a quarry not too far from Sanctuary that you visit and it's there's raiders at this quarry and when you get into this quarry and you go deeper and deeper into the quarry you notice some abnormal sounds coming and you noticed um, like there's seismic activity that sounds like footsteps or something and you hear things and you notice that the raiders as you get towards the bottom of this quarry that they seem to be acting a little off. Um, and if you go all the way to the bottom, you find where they're digging out this piece of a statue and you can see this eye staring back at you. And that's the... And I believe it's owned by the Dunwich or is it Dunwich, yeah, Dunwich Borers? Dunwich Borers, yeah. Yeah. Is owns the quarry. And there's just that weird thing. So then the Dunwich building is actually in Fallout 3 because it's its headquarters. And that place is bonkers. Um, but he actually had a tie-in with and I had never thought of this before, but he had, and Romer might know more about this because there's tie-ins with ancient technology or some sort. Because remember at the insane asylum, when you meet the guy, now I'm going to forget everybody's names, the family in Boston where they have the dad locked up in the insane asylum. But they've all been alive for centuries because the dad discovered this crown on one of his, um, well, that, like, literally, the place that he found it, the lost village, all of that came straight from Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. Like, the same place, everything. It's from, like, verbatim from the book, pretty much. And and I think uh, that the, the, the Kirby heads are tied into that also, aren't they? Oh, no. You know the Kirby heads? Yes, uh, yes, they are. That is mentioned in the video too. Um, all that art, all those mm -hmm. spaces everywhere. Yes, um, and they even he oh. even points out that those are in DC as well. That mm. there's that those spaces. And because if you so if you use console commands, that eye that you see at the bottom of the Dunwich quarry, um, or the that quarry in Fallout 4, if you'd use console commands and you go down underneath there, because all you can see is like a little bit of the eye, you can see the whole, like, it is one of those Kirby heads from um, Fallout. Well, they're all over the place in Boston. Mm. And then there's a yeah. couple similar heads in, in uh, Washington. And so in 76, too. Mm -hmm. Yes, in mm -hmm. Tanagra Town. There's one right. in Tanagra. And, and I would Weird. I would like to note for the record that although the lead character in my story is named Beth Kirby, it is not related. Now that to, would have been hilarious if all. you had know, thought right? of that ahead of time. I know. And you were like, it's, this I'm is not, all going to come out I'm, later. I'm, I'm not that clever. 
that would have been great. <laughs> like, yes, I was thinking, is you know, I knew. Well, so, is- so, so real, real quick side note: we did a, I did a, a stream with Kenny where we did a, a quick uh, improv fiction thing, and we had to come up with a story and tell the story, yada yada. So I built underground like I always do, and I built my story. I start telling my story, and right when I hit the climax, I got disconnected. Oh my god! So. We were doing the audio on Discord, and I didn't get disconnected from Discord. Everybody's like, "Oh my god, that's so awesome, man! You disconnected, and it, it it dumped the the camp out, and everybody was under the map, so they fell through the map into the abyss. It was awesome. I was Holy like, cow! Yeah. I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't do that on purpose. I'm like, why did you say that? You should have just lied and said you did yeah, it on purpose. Just, it was great. Like, I know. Yeah, I, said, I know. I'm dumb. I'm totally dumb. I'm meant to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that is that would have been wild. <gasps> you oh know what god. amazes me is how often fictional writers end up creating a mythos. That ends up almost religion based. Yes. No, it is really weird if you think about it. Yes. I mean, because you got L. Ron Hubbard with Scientology. Well, and things like that. L. Ron, and, L. Ron Hubbard did that as a tax dodge, though. That was the original reason. I mean, he right. always <laughs> look what it turned he But he specifically sought out to create a religion, though. So th- that was that was part of the end goal. And And Lovecraft himself. If somebody says that they're a fan of the Lovecraft mythos, I think that's cool. If somebody says they're a fan of Lovecraft himself, I will turn 180 <laughs> degrees and walk away. Because <laughs> that is, that is probably not it's a creepy. person that I want to. Oh, it's he's a lot worse than he's a lot worse than creepy. Well, he's the creator of the Necronomicon, which is a you know, uh, and if you dig deep into what that book is, I mean, that's how that's full on witchcrafty kind of stuff. Yeah, that there's it's hidden within it. Well, all this and there's a personal things with him too. So yeah, yeah that's, well, that's kind of what I'm. That's kind of what I'm getting. I think I think the word problematic may have been invented for <laughs> for H.P. Lovecraft. Well, I've been sitting here like reading on him. Yeah, he's a weird dude and uh, and does some strange things. Well, well yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, who comes I'm, up I'm, with these I'm a weird dude, stories. But... Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, creative yeah. people aren't always what you would call quote normal. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, but Stephen King ain't even on this level, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he he writes. This guy writes his writes. dreams, you know, and so like, <gasps> this guy writes what's really in his head. <laughs> yeah, and some people we don't want to know what's in your head. I mean, trust me, there are drugs for that. We don't want to know what's in your head. I mean, John, uh, John Carpenter <laughs> seems pretty cool. Yeah, well, uh, as a uh, on the surface. No, he he plays Fallout seventy six. He can't be all bad. <laughs> it's true. Doesn't Vanilla Ice also play Fallout seventy six? Does he? <laughs> what are you trying to say? We all thought he was great. Yeah. Anyway, back to the subject. So, hmm. I love how Nate found way more because I knew about Dunwich Horror, Dunwich. Well, we always call it Dunwich Horror, Dunwich Borer. The well, that's, where then, the, that's like, where the name came from. Yeah. From from the Dunwich Horror. That's the right. that's a... Yeah. Because that's in the book. Right. Mm-hmm. So I knew about the quarry. I knew about the building. I knew about the black the black the black black halls. Black what is it? You said it earlier. The black, black the black halls, yeah. Black halls. From the DLC. I knew about them. And like because he wants you to get the book back for him. And if you 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 have two choices, you either have the choice to get the book back for Mr. Blackhall so he can basically heal himself and he can walk again and then he can do whatever it is he's planning on doing to take over the island, or you can destroy the book, which you have to take it back to 
main fallout land whatever and uh and take it back to the, the dunwich well because you're you're in you're in um you're in the dlc where the heck is the name of it right now my brain is uh, point, point lookout point lookout thank you because i like yeah, yeah, far harbor and i'm like wrong game yeah, so point, you're in yeah, point, point, point lookout is where the mothman stuff is yeah and yep. then the, then there's the mothman stuff so like there's actually references to all this stuff in some of the um notes or or hollow tapes or whatever from um the mothman stuff about so so the, the, i think i think at the core of this is one of the one of the really great things about what lovecraft created here is mm-hmm. that like you said it's he sort of wrote his dreams so when you read his stuff or when you explore the lore that he created it really is kind of like running around inside your own brain while you're dreaming and it's such a trippy experience if you let yourself really get into it and just kind of let it wash over you and what that also does is it allows you to take that and to adapt it into other things so we've seen all of this you know this eldritch horror kind of stuff adapted into so many things not just into fallout but into whether it's the 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 prime like you know i mean there have been films of made of the dunwich horror of the actual story itself but beyond that you can take the existing lore and adapt it into a story you can create your own lore that's based upon the sort of the general cosmic the, the general cosmic horror that is omnipresent in this work and people will get what you're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. there so it's 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 got that universal applicability that i think lends itself to, uh, to to really applying it in a lot of different places you can go a lot of different directions with it and it's it's yeah. something where it's there are certain mythologies and certain sources of lore where it really is kind of all or nothing like it doesn't work if you don't really pull the whole thing and make it really completely of that but lovecraft stuff is not like that you you really can bring some of it in bring a lot of it in bring a little bit of it in and you know you, you can even use it almost like a, almost like a spice or like a, a certain amount of yeast that you want to use to plump up the supernatural <laughs> aspects of your story if you want to there you go. it's 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 very well crafted in that way and i don't know if it was intentional or if it's just the way that lovecraft's mind worked probably the latter because it's most people don't intentionally do things like that um, but I'm I'm happy that it turned out that way because we have seen it infused into a lot of different areas, especially like I think in the 70s, it was the 70s, maybe the late 60s. We saw that kind of thing, not necessarily directly inspired by Lovecraft, but really that co- the general cosmic horror, you know, and it, it is in a way a reflection of society, because when you when you have that much angst inside of you, you want to see that expressed and you want to have an outlet for that and something like this, depending on what's going on in your life or in society at the time it can really resonate and it can really speak to you you know why is uh why are things like saw popular now right whereas that kind of thing wouldn't necessarily have been popular in the 70s why were the kinds of movies that were popular in the 70s popular then but would not play now all those kinds of things it's it's really a reflection of society and we've That's seen <laughs> we, we we've we've seen lovecraft's influence and the influence of lovecraftian kind of cosmic horror fiction go you know sort of go up and down and i mm-hmm. think it's 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 in it's it's not at a peak right now it's it's not it's it's not all the way in a valley but um it's it's the kind of thing that never really goes away right exactly and i feel like it's like one of those things that like the way they used it in fallout like it's there but it's not like punched in your face so like well, and, people will pick it up yeah or it, they it, won't it, I think it speaks to similarly to what I was talking about earlier with 
with the way that I approach fallout lore. Mm -hmm. You can, you don't have to have ever, you know, you, you don't even have to know how to spell HP Lovecraft to, to, to get what's going on in fallout Four. you, you, you get it and you feel what Lovecraft would want you to feel. Again, I keep coming back to that term because it's the term that people always use for Lovecraft, cosmic horror. That's what it is. We as humans are insignificant. This is about the inevitability and the impotence of anything that humans do or can do. So all you can do is you can embrace and you can pull in and you can you can take that into your being and make that part of the fiber of what you are. You are nothing. You are absolutely nothing. And just let that wash over you and let the gods come awake them bring them back and let them show you that let them show you how how tiny you are right that that comes across in all of these places where we've seen lovecraft put forward and fallout is one of those things you see the way that those people are uh, uh you know kneeling around in in the bottom of that quarry yeah. uh, you see the way that that's implemented and even the way that it's that is implied in fallout 3 because it's not quite as overt in fallout 3 it's really through stories you hear about right. constant constance blackhall and you talk to obadiah but it's even though it's subtle you still get that same feeling you understand where they're coming from you may not want to go along with it but you understand what they're feeling i mean and you even see i, I don't think this was inspired by lovecraft but there was a machine in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that it was a, I don't know if it was a torture device or it was something to kill you, but it, it basically showed you where you were in relation to the rest of the universe. So it was showing you how tiny and insignificant you were. And the joke was Zaphod Beeblebrox saw it and he was like, hey, yeah, this is awesome. I'm great. You know, so yeah, it was a punchline in that. And I don't, so I don't think it was inspired by that, but it's, 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 it's a similar kind of thing playing on, on that, that feeling that people have a lot of the time that they are insignificant and that is not just you know i can feel that i'm insignificant as a creator right i can feel that i'm insignificant as a as a person in society but this what lovecraft was doing was much bigger than that he's saying that not just i and not just you but we as humans and everything that we do and everything that we have done over the course of tens of thousands of years is absolutely meaningless in the cosmic sense and those elder gods that that are trying to be awakened and are worshipped by some of these people are sort of the the physical and tangible representation of that. Almost biblical. Yeah, yeah. like you said. Yeah, it, it is. Yep. It, it 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 is. It's you know, I, I think that the Old Testament Bible lore has some pretty cool stuff in it. I think part of the problem with it when you're looking at it compared to like a Lovecraft is Lovecraft's stuff came from one mind. And it came, it was, it was only put through multiple bodies. Exactly. And and it's, it's been, it was written by who knows how many people it's been translated so many times. Yeah. Yeah, So, so it's the, the message, I don't want to say the message, but the the impact of the message message. is, it can be, but but I'm saying it's, it's not presented in the same kind of unified way. That's something like, that's something like a, like like a Lovecraft would do, or even an L. Ron Hubbard, right? It's 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 a very consistent kind of a thing, and despite that, so I mean, we all know that you know the Bible, or any religious text, is is always widely interpreted in different ways by different people, right? Well, that's but, meant to be, yeah. right? Right, but 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 with Lovecraft, even though it comes from that singular vision, it's still open to that interpretation. It still allows people to take it to take from it what they will. It allows uh, you to drift. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can take your own ride. You can take this piece or that piece. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like many say with the Bible, for instance, uh, that 
you take from it what you perceive from it. One sentence could mean one thing from one person and mean something totally different to another. It's just like music, you know, in mm-hmm. the same uh, relevance that, you know, the writer of a song could mean something completely different from what you take from it. It happens all the time, you know. I think that's a, a an analogy there that makes a lot of sense because a lot of the times a writer of a song will write a song with this one thing completely in mind, but whatever happened to you in your life and you're hearing these lyrics, you're relating it to your situation. And I think that's how a lot of people take a lot of these stories. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Know, it, it, well, it, it, well, just, just look at, I mean, even if you take something like the stuff that I do, I, I'm not really, and I've said this in the past, this is not a, surprise i'm not trying to say anything with what i write i'm just trying to tell a good story but people still read things into it and that's mm-hmm. that's okay right you know that's uh, if, if people take different things from it and they, like you said they can apply it to their their life or their situation like one person said and i thought this this was this was really touching um they said that one the one thing that really struck them i guess spoiler alert was they they had lost a uh, a loved one and there was a part that, that that kind of touched on that in my show in the second season. And that really, um, you know, that, that was very meaningful to them. Uh, that was, I don't want to call it unintentional, but it's, I didn't go in there writing. Yeah. I, you know, I want people to, I want people to, 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 right. to, to feel that emotion because they've been through it. That's not what I was going for, uh, but, but even more abstract things, you know, you can like, it's, I think it's probably a little bit more common in music than, than storytelling, but, Again, going, you know, looping back to, to the to the original topic, Lovecraft very much lends itself to that to that kind of thing. And actually, that is one of the things that I'm touching on in our third season is that aspect of it. You know, what do you believe and what does what you believe really mean? It might not mean what you think it does. Um, and it's all about finding that that kind of thing out. And, and you, you may surprise yourself in very uh, in very meaningful ways about that sort of thing. Wow, it's not. I mean, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, ha- I'm not uh, hijacking a starship to to go to the center of the galaxy and meet God or anything like like William Shatner did in Starship <laughs> Five. It's, I'm I'm not quite on that level of uh, existential stuff, but uh, there there's I, <laughs> there's there's a few themes uh, in there. Not not, well, not you look religious. at some of the stuff behind Lovecraft. Like he wrote his first book when he was seven years old. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, that, wow. was his, that was his first literary work was when he was seven years old. And it, it goes into, um, I guess he was told about Santa Claus not being real. And he retorted by asking, well, why God is, why God is not equally a myth. And at, that's at the age of eight years old. And then he <laughs> took a keen interest in sciences, mm-hmm. particularly astronomy and chemistry. And he started to examine the uh, ato- anatomical books. I am not really good at that. I'm, you know, the. You the, got it. Mm-hmm. The body books. <laughs> and then he's anatomical. Started, is yeah. The body books, you know, the stuff, you know, the, the insides of us. And like he was trying to figure out different stuff here. And uh, I keep saying the word stuff, which makes no sense. But uh, he's works. He, he, he really delved into astronomy and all these different influences and things like that. And I think he was just searching. It seems like as a young kid, he was already kind of. Uh, uh, what's the word jaded in a sense yeah, like he had this kind of he had kind of a jaded sense of 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 society morality to him 
he, like you were talking about with that nothing mythos in his mind, like, you know, means nothing. And it's because he started from a world where, you know, they were telling him about his Christian upbringing and he couldn't wrap his head around it. Like, cause uh, you know, yeah. he, he was lied to as a kid. So he figured, well, if that was a lie, why can't the rest of this be a lie? And why isn't this a myth? And why is this been considered truth for so long? And then I get told that, well, you know, Santa's just a myth. Well, Santa was more than a myth because it's all based on truth. And then, you know, they didn't really go into all that with him, you know, probably yeah. because at that time they may not even have known, you know, it, a lot that, of people that, don't understand the whole story. They just, no, passed, but, you, know. you know, Saint, you know, was it, I forgot Santa Claus's real name. Was it Nicholas? Uh, Saint Nicholas? Thank you. You know, the, the story of Saint Nicholas, you know, giving gifts to the kids and things like that. And that being part of the whole, you know, Santa Claus mythos that was created from that and, and so like we get stories that it, it's just like a game of telephone as you go on everything changes you know yeah. and, and everything yeah. gets convoluted in some way and then it gets mixed up into our almost anything could become a mystery one day we might be worshiping homer simpson you know well you know and, and we even see a lot we see a little bit of that in a funny way in fallout 4 because you go to the guy in diamond city who's selling the swatters and he yep. tells you all about what baseball was like and yep. it's completely unlike what baseball was right. actually like like that was not baseball yeah. <laughs> which your character knows because she just mm -hmm. woke up and is you know from that time when they did play baseball the correct way and like no, buddy, that's not baseball. <laughs> yeah, but 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 really, that I think that that's, I think that's the core of why it's had it's had legs the way that it that it has. I, I don't remember when Lovecraft's primary works came out, but basically since then they've been a part of the popular consciousness, and that's so that's in the nineteen seventies is when his work became really popular mm -hmm. as a you know, and before that he was actually relatively unknown. Like mm -hmm. when he, when he was alive, his works were barely published. Like they were published in yep. like small publications and things like that. After his death, um, his stuff started to kind of generate a, like a, a kind of a cultish following ironically. Um, but in the 1970s, his style of writing, he was actually dubbed the father of that type of writing at that time, that, that, that science fiction, you know, novel type of stuff. That's when he got his real notoriety is during the early seventies. And that, that makes sense to that follows because it was really the late sixties when you started to see some of that, like not the same kind of themes, but, but similar explorations of that kind of thing. Like, you know, you think right. like Rosemary's baby, uh, which is direct. I mean, that's direct Satanism. So it's not, yeah, it's not but cosmic horror as such, but, 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 there, People, but, but that's, think... but that, that's when that, that stuff started to become popular. Uh, and I well, think that, 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 we're I also think more that ties in with Anton LaVey and, and oh, yeah. you know, you know, that's when Anton LaVey was really coming on the scene and he was actually pushing a lot of that kind of stuff because mm -hmm. he was digging into all that kind of thing. Um, especially like the book, the Necronomicon is when I first heard of that book, it was in reference to something that Anton LaVey was part of. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think of the other guy that I cannot place right now. Uh, him and Anton LaVey were closely tied in in comparison to each other, not necessarily uh, in actual dealings with each other. Uh, Anton's the one that started the whole Church of Satan, right? Mm -hmm. When him, yeah. And so you got to study all things to know the right way, you know. And that's my theory on things, anyway. You got you got to make sure you got a, your foot in all areas. Um, but from my understanding, is like he 
really pushed that narrative during that period of time. And then you've got, um, who's the guy who said, tune in, drop out. Let's draw some acid. Uh, yeah, Timothy time. Leary. Timothy Leary. So Timothy Leary actually um, spent some time uh, studying Anton LaVey during his trips. And and I mean that quite literally, his trips. Um, he's also the guy, if you if you look at Timothy Leary's, some of his uh, his writings and stuff, you'll actually also find he's one of the people that said that we would all be locked in. Computers would be our new drug. I think is was Alistair Crowley the the other guy. Alistair Crowley's the other guy I was thinking. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I was thinking I'm I'm, I'm racking my brain trying to yeah. think. And I'm like, wait yeah. a minute. Yeah, uh, wait, Ozzy Osbourne, Mr. Crowley. Yes. Wait, was yeah. that him? Well, he's also Alistair Crowley's also in the picture of the cover of Hotel California, standing in one of the windows. If you ever yeah. look at the cover of that, um, yeah. little inside baseball there. But yeah, I, I, I just I just play that when I go into Guitar Center. I don't, I don't look at the L. No, it's, it's a running joke. You're not supposed to play uh, yeah, Hotel yeah. California when you yeah, go. No, no, you don't play that anywhere or Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting how that all ties together. And those individuals are actually some of the people that really pushed the Lovecraftian stuff. Because I remember, um, I didn't know who wrote the Necronomicon. I just remember the book existing. And I remember, you know, it floating around as I was a teenager. And I was, you know, obviously I was scared of it because I was raised a Christian kid. So I, I like, you know, oh, but at the same time, I know if you're really going to understand where you are in your life, your faith or whatever you are, you've got to understand what it is that everybody's pushing around. At least that's the way I've always looked at it. You Knowledge is power no matter where it comes from, you know, and you have to be strong enough to know which direction to go. I don't know how I got there. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just looking at this guy's uh, wiki page. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, so, I, but, I get but, a little on the edge when I start talking about Aleister Crowley and Anton LaVey and stuff like that. So I'm like, <laughs> those guys are well, to, 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 to tie it back in, <laughs> I, I mentioned that I'm, that I'm working on Lovecraft stuff for um, my third season. And of course, it's obviously it's inspired by what, by what's in the game. That's why I included it because it's it's an established part of Fallout lore that I can use mm -hmm. and that I can reference. But uh, uh, without giving away spoilers, I have I had audition uh, audition parts out there for Elias Blackhall and his son Eric Blackhall, and I also had a an audition part out there in Casting Call Club for a Lovecraft lore consultant. Which I uh, which I did bring on because I do not have the depth of knowledge that I would need to tie that oh, wow. all together. So and it yeah, was so um, weird having all of those set up to go through YouTube. Yeah, I, I that was weird. I, I talked I talked <laughs> I talked to Casting Call Club about that. What happened was they have added the ability for people to audition for non voice roles, so like like live acting roles. Uh -huh. So. They now have actor and voice actor. I did not know that that was a thing. So when I went through and created all those auditions, I hit actor. So as a result, it doesn't allow you to upload sound, sound files like you do for voice actor. It only allows you to drop it. It links. did create a different element for me because I was instead of being able to like take it and sit there and edit it down like I normally would and clean all, you know, to where it was where i felt really comfortable i had to kind of like flip the switch and go it gives you an idea kind of how well you are it kind of just you know 
letting it roll. Because mm-hmm. I, I was watching some of the other guys like and out of the box. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just it's not something I, I don't do a lot of improv or anything like that. I guess I'm know. glad I didn't have time to because oh, I wanted to audition and I, I ran out of time because work's just You'd be insane. surprised because it gives you an insight about yourself. You know, I, I, I actually took those back and was like looking at myself going, you know, it gives you an idea like I can work on that or I can work on this. I can mm-hmm. tighten this screw here. I can tighten that screw there. And I kind of liked the experience, so I, I, I don't know. But at well, the same my, my, time, my, my main concern, because I did, I closed it, sent out private messages to everybody mm-hmm. and said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm opening up one correctly. Sorry for the confusion, et cetera. My concern was that that was going to kill the number of additions that I was going to get. It might have, because it, it was intimidating it, at first. We, we, we had 165 total auditions, so I th- so we did okay. That's that was better than we did than we did for our, our second season opening casting call. So it may have tamped the numbers down, but if it did, I'm glad because because V and that's, I going through the, we had a lot of auditions to go through. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. But now, it was, now, either uh, way, it was fun to do. <laughs> now, now going back to the universal applicability of of Lovecraft, I, I don't know if you guys know uh, one of the things that Kenny's working on is a starfield anthology podcast called frontier mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it's i think 10 episodes 10 or 15 episodes uh he's doing several of them himself and then he has guest writers in i was gonna say isn't lawrence doing something for that because yeah, i think yeah, i have yeah yeah i have a part in in that yeah he, he i think somewhere. there's five i think there's five or so episodes that are written by other people i did one lawrence did Lucy. one Lucy I yeah, Lucy did something. one. Yeah, and I I didn't read it properly. I got done. And I read. I'm like, oh, I did that completely wrong. <laughs> like, but, but, but but interestingly, oh. I, I I I I'm too busy to audition for things. I, sh- oh, I shouldn't say that. I'm too busy to be in things. I'm not too busy to audition for things. I'm too busy to be in things. Busy to follow can't. up and actually do the things. <laughs> I, I still can't resist auditioning for certain things, and I did audition for a couple things in one of the other people's episodes. I I. I you don't, did the robot voice, yeah, because yeah, we were both going I, for that same role. Yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't cast, I don't cast myself in things. I, I don't believe in doing that. Um, I don't either. Yeah, uh, but I did play as I did play the robot, but the, but the the story, I won't give too much away. But this is very much a Lovecraft based episode that, that this other writer wrote that I that I'm in, and my character and AI, because <laughs> I feel typecast, I always play AIs. Uh, gets gets overtaken by this by this cosmic entity, and I get to do this whole like soupy Lovecraft thing, like these monologues, and, and they were some of them were a lot of fun. Like, yeah, it was a it, it was it was a it was a solid experience. Wow, I, I got to use my Lovecraft voice, and oh, you do you know nothing of what you are because you are nothing. You know, that that kind of thing. So it's 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 fun to really just kind of chew the scenery when you do that I mean, kind of thing. Fun to listen to. <laughs> Chewing the fat. Mm. I would kill you, but you are not worth the time or the effort. That's those aren't lines. His lines are much better than that. I no, but you can see the. the I just made the those up on top of inflection <laughs> in your face. It's like I, I like that. That's funny. Well, we 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 did a read where you draw in. We mm-hmm. did a read through, and and the read through that we did was on was on um, Discord with video, so uh-huh. so so that was that was pretty good. I know Lucy likes to do those. Yeah, I, I 
for my show, I kind of can't. It's 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 really too hard to get everybody together at the same time yeah. to do those. Although although from for the episode that I wrote of the Starfield thing, V got together with Eric, who plays Bones in Once Upon a Wasteland. He has a role in 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 my episode. They got together separately and ran lines together so that they could you know so that the mostly so Eric could get a feel for it. And I, I would feel kind of embarrassed sometimes because my memory is terrible. So like <laughs> there would be times where I'd be like starting to do a line and I'd be like. Oh, it just left my brain. <laughs> and my thing is when I'm recording, if I like stumble over my words and flub, then I just start ad libbing. I'm like, blah, 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 you know? and then I'm just like, turn it off. <laughs> and then I got to start all over. But I just, I should do a, bro- a blooper reel sometime because I do some crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, that was one thing that was a, um, uh, that V suggested for this season is maybe a Patreon benefit for people to save their outtakes and, and do them together. I don't have outtakes really, not no, because I don't much. make mistakes. Cause I do, I make lots of mistakes when I record, but I usually just curse at myself under my breath and then delete the clip. Like there's, That's what they're, I not, do. Yeah, they're, they're not interesting. Uh-uh. Now I'm just like, when, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> when I was, when, when I was doing TV, there was this one thing and this was back in the nineties. So it was a green screen thing and we couldn't cut. Um, it was a scene where I was a wrestling announcer and the, the way that it was supposed to work was I was out of the frame under the, under the camera. I was on my stomach and I was supposed to pop up into frame and start my wrestling announcer spiel. It was a pretty long scene and somebody kept messing up. It wasn't always the same person. There were four of us or five of us in the scene and one of us would mess up every single time. And we watched it back (laughs) after editing was done and we were all dying because you could see me getting up more and more slowly every time (laughs) (laughs) here we go again (laughs) all right and and the one it was like on take 13 i think that i flubbed it and i just i looked so defeated i was like now we have to do it again (laughs) like i've done this to myself Oh man! But but no, but 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 it really does speak to 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 the the universality of those themes and how easy it is to apply it to different things. Like nobody in, in that episode, nobody says anything about Lovecraft. Nobody says anything about Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. There there is Nyarlathotep. You almost is, don't need to called out. Well, yeah, that's that's the yeah. point. You 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 really don't need to because it is so so universally understood. And I mean, really, I think the themes were could have been potentially universally understood even before Lovecraft. Um, he was just the guy who had the, the the vision and the genius to get it out there in a form that that, that eventually people found and, and that are, that it resonated with. Yeah, I mean, there's no mention of it in any of the Fallout games. You just have that feeling, you know, you're in the Dunwich building and you hear whispers and you see flashes of things from the past and you see visions and that whole feeling of fear and anxiety and aloneness just is like gnawing at you when you're in that Mm. building it creeped me out and i don't get creeped out by that kind of stuff but just like the just all of that going on around you like i couldn't get out of that place fast enough i was like Mm. i almost didn't finish that building because i was like i don't want to keep going on in this but you you know, you just have to because you have to find out like what happened to this guy mm. <laughs> and his dad. <laughs> and yeah, I, you know. I, 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 I do almost wish that they wouldn't have named the company Dunwich. Like I wish they, yeah, like, like that. Such the big giveaway. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's fine. 
because it is yeah. so clearly a, a reference to all that kind of obviously thing. yeah it's it's fine but I don't know. I, I I like to be cheekier about that kind of thing. Like if I throw a reference into something, I like I like to make people work for it. Or yeah, it, it's it's the kind of thing where you f- you feel this like sense of accomplishment if you get it. Mm-hmm. And when you write it, you know not everybody's going to get it, and probably most people won't necessarily get it. Like I have so much crap in my scripts that I throw in there just for me that yeah. I think is a cool reference. I'm like nobody's going to yeah. get this, and a couple it's people like, do. If you do know, sometimes. you know. Yeah. yeah like those kinds of things well and then it's like the whole thing like nate brought it up in his video and i didn't even really think about it i knew there was something weird about tanagra town i knew there was something weird going on there and there was the references with the with the kirby face and everything i was like there is something going on in this place but i didn't really i've only been out there like once i didn't really connect it and the only reason i went out there was because i was doing the quest to find the nuka-cola the key card to get into there so I could get the paint at the at the TNT domes. <laughs> it's like the only reason I went to the Niagara Town in 76. But um if you know, now, you know. And now the, the, <laughs> the one thing that I that I that I read, and I only read it once, so I I may get this wrong, but there is a tie-in with the Dunwich stuff and the imposter sheep squatch in 76. What the way I remember it is really? see if I could so so the 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 bish natural gas company I, i'm gonna have to look it up but the bish natural gas company had some tie-in with the imposter sheep squatch and the people that gave that company the natural gas license for natural gas drilling in appalachia was the dunwich company that makes sense i think that's what it was but but there was a direct tie-in but i don't know if it's I, again i have to look at the wiki again to see if it's but like it's explicit like like if, it, like if it's in a like if it's in a terminal entry or but but there's no follow up to it like the, it's not like the imposter sheep squatch is is lovecraftian in any way it's a machine right. that was programmed incorrectly and uh yeah. it uh did not love its creator tenderly and uh well maybe it did a little too tenderly <laughs> he was very tender afterwards from, tender <laughs> from the sounds of things tenderize but, yeah, but, <laughs> but, the, but there's there's the, but there's no there's no direct lovecraft you know elder god Cosmic horror tie-ins with that. I thought the cool one was uh because I mean I've never read Lovecraft. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna pretend I ever read it. Not my not my thing. Um the tie-in with the um why can't I think of his name? The dude that was in the asylum, the explorer. Yeah, I I know I know exactly yeah, why, why Lorenzo Lorenzo was the father. Lorenzo Cabot. Cabot and Cabot. So Cabbage, yeah, but he he's he finds this headdress or whatever, and he puts it on. And when he puts it on, like all these crazy things happen to him. Start seeing visions like, and stuff. Yeah, and he goes a little crazy, so that's why the sun locks him up. But he lives like forever, and the family finds out that if they just do a little tappy tap on the vein, you know, they take his blood, and they too can live forever. So they keep him locked up because he's killing people, and then he. You know, your character has to decide whether to let him out where he wreaks havoc, but you can live forever because he'll give you his serum or whatever, or you help the sun put him down, which means eventually they will die because they'll age because they don't have their access to that. But that's all related to, because that's related to in, 
you know, the the book where they talk about a lost colony and, and there's artifacts and, and things like that. I didn't realize that that was all related until Nate pointed it out in his video. And I thought that was pretty wild because I thought that I just thought that was a separate story. I didn't realize that was more Lovecrafty and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, but and, and the the art Lorenzo's artifact was also, I think, probably if I had to point at one thing that gave me the idea for the stuff that I'm doing this season, that that mm-hmm. was probably it. Um, yeah, you know, the, just the, the the existence of those artifacts and their indeterminate powers, and then I tied that in with some other stuff that I'm interested in. The other lore consultant that I brought in for this season for uh-huh. completely unrelated to Lovecraft stuff who's been keeping me very honest <laughs> wow, that's and also, wild. also providing a lot of pronunciation help today in the discord for me. Um, oh, wow. Well, and I think that's where the, um, so I, I think something with the Lorenzo thing was the tie was where those Kirby heads came from. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if he's been living for a long time, I guess maybe he had some influence over the decor of, you know, maybe, I don't know. Cause how long I don't, I can't even remember how long he was supposed to have been living. Since he found his artifact, mm-hmm. was it a couple hundred years or something? Yeah, it was I, a I, while. Actually, I, I just looked it up a couple of months ago because I was I looked at that for research and I don't remember how long he it, had. They'd been around, been around for a, a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember exactly how long it was, but I feel like it was centuries. I could be wrong. Somebody's probably like, "No, dummy, it was this," but I I don't remember. Well, actually, like it was, was four hundred and thirty-two well, years uh, and thirty-five I'm so minutes. Sorry, I said in centuries, two right? Minutes. If you realize, <laughs> in the Fallout Extended Universe book that was written and never actually published. Yeah, oh, if you read the Fallout, Fallout Bible, Fallout it's Bible. not canon. It's not canon. If you read the Fallout Bible, page number. But they didn't do 18. a Fallout Bible for seventy. Well, for four, it wasn't Fallout Bible? Was it yes. prequel? Yes, oh. it was four. I don't have a Fallout Bible, so I don't know. <laughs> don't know. Never looked at one. <laughs> it, that, yeah. that, dude, that dude's whole family was weird. Like the Cabots? No, Lovecraft. Oh, Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah, like the Cabots were weird too, though. I, I read up more on Lovecraft than I did anything else, just because I wanted to understand the mindset of the guy. Of that, the guy that's well, behind that, all of this. That was, a cool and it's take. like you know his dad. His dad ended up in an insane asylum. He died in the insane asylum. Then his mother later on ended up losing her marbles. And they get and the whole family was like afflicted with one sickness at mental illness, along with like so like uh, some of them tied to syphilis. Um, They think that you know uh, that's what made them actually kind of lose their minds was you know ending up with syphilis or other diseases and things like that. As I was going through, it's like each member of his family, even his sister, like he ended up like his mom tried to stop him. He wanted to be a soldier at some point, and he was trying to get into World War One, and his family stopped him. His mother stopped him by, I don't remember what they said exactly. It was uh, something in regards to, she, yeah, she had a lot of pull. She had a lot of pull with like, you know, she was kind of high society kind of stuff because their family mm-hmm. had a lot of money at one point. Um, daddy made a lot of money before he went nuts. And then, uh, so she stopped him with her influence. And then later on, she ended up getting committed as well. And then she died with her, you know, the same place her husband did this butcher. What's it called? Uh, they've got a reference to it, right? Come on, scroll back up. Is butcher house or something like that. 
That doesn't sound like some place I would want to go to. I think it was Boulder House. Okay. That sounds a little less intimidating. I wouldn't want to go to a place called Butcher House. Yeah, it's called Boulder Hospital. Butcher House. It's in Providence, New York. That's where they were. uh, They were put it. That's where they ended up showing up. So on the father's like death certificate, it's General Parisius. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But it's like, a, oh, oh, it's general paralysis of the insane, which doesn't make it paralytic. That's his diagnosis? Paralytic or? dementia or syphilitic paralysis. So it's it's basically uh, what it look, comes down to is a late stage of syphilis. Yeah, untreated syphilis. Is yeah. Fun. And I'm like, syphilis. But like his Get mother Lose yes, her marble. Yes. And get your the test sister done. didn't deal with things well after he moved in with her. And they I'm starting to think this dude was injecting his family members with stuff just to see what would happen to him. Like this no. guy's out there, man. Like way, way, way out there. I mean, if somebody <laughs> got syphilis and started giving it to other people. I don't know how that works. I'm not a you know I'm uh, not a doctor. It's an STD. You know how it works. <laughs> Okay, but um, well, unless we don't want to talk it, about that, unless he was screwing weird. his sister and his mother, then you know, I mean, that may be. I thought that was how the dad died. The dad? No, I don't remember anything. I thought that, that was the dad. I don't remember the dad like screwing his daughter. I didn't see that part in there, but I. Go I, ahead and say I did. Well, you we were talking about spreading syphilis, so I mean, uh, well, to the mom. Um. Sure. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're just getting weird here. To be we honest, we are. This is this is too much. We're talking about Cthulhu stuff and weird. And it's not so, I mean, it's like Cthulhu is not weird. weird. <laughs> this is all. Yeah, no. All but it's like I, it makes you wonder. Cthulhu like, is not weird. Well, before her death, so the, my point of it was before her death, she was actually seeing things like shadows, you know, coming from behind buildings and things like that. She was talking about seeing all these things and everything that she says that she saw or like the sensations that she got ended up in his books. Like everything that they've all reported seeing as far as their hallucinations or whatnot, he's incorporated every element of those things into his books and created a narrative where those weren't like products of like disease or anything like that, that, that those were like real things and they really happened. And that, that's how he created it into his books. So, so that, you think he drugged them until he, so he could get, I don't know. I've done, like I said, I've done a very small amount of investigating into this whole thing, but the more I like dig into here, the more I find this guy to be very off. Things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, this is, you know, toilet mm-hmm. seat thoughts. Mm-hmm. You're pondering the plop, plop, fizz, fizz, and the wonderful things. But yeah, this dude was really weird. Uh, apparently, he was highly influenced by Edgar Allan Poe. That makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, that was like his uh, hero. So. My uh, youngest had to do a whole thing about the crow. The raven, sorry. I'm like thinking of right. Brandon Lee, too. I was like, wait yeah. a minute, huh? <laughs> yes, <a> crow. <laughs> uh, it's rip been Brandon a long Lee. Day. It's been a long day full of lots of arms and lots of needles. <laughs> so I'm thinking that, all right, so as far as we've dug into this, 
everybody's got to have an opinion on this one. So mm-hmm. we need emails. We need te- tweets. We need more information on this. This is, to me, Engage seems like something we could with probably us. do a multiple series of podcasts on this just because no, it's such I agree. a deep subject. It, it seems like something that we could, you know, go more into just Lovecraft himself as an individual, try to get some speculatory information. I'm sure somebody knows way more than what we dug up so far. So (laughs) if you go to fellowrtb at gmail.com, you can leave us an email there, or you can go to at fellowrtb on X, I guess is what they're calling it now, whatever. It's always going to be Twitter. So you can send us messages (laughs) there, or you can pop in our Discord. It's easy enough to find. You can just type in the Fallout Roundtable. You'll find us. Or you can type in uh, Robots Radio Network and join that one. We're in there as well. Just wherever. I don't care. Just Or you can hit line. up any of us for an invite. Like Maverick says sometimes, throw up some smoke signals. Smoke signals. So you can find those. But yeah, we need Talking some more to a information fast food on container. I think that you people are smart out there. You know, I think you guys have a lot of ideas of what's going on with this whole Lovecraftian world and the Dunwich horrors, borers, whatever you want to call it. Either way, it's Dunwich oriented and it all falls back into the Lovecrafting thing. And I think that this is a very intriguing subject. So thank you, Brad, for this idea. It was quite interesting to just kind of. It's a very good idea. Yeah, yeah, and, and if, if 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 anybody wants to uh, wants to check out our show, our website is onceuponawasteland.com. You can, of course, always email me at brad at onceuponawasteland.com. You can find our show at Twitter at onceupon76pod. You can follow Vitriol, who is our esteemed co-producer and the most awesome person on the planet. You can find her on Twitter at at plays vitriol, not at vitriol plays. Um, but we are we are generally speaking around. You can find us. If you want to listen to the show, you can find us on every popular podcast platform and also several unpopular podcast platforms as well. It's <laughs> it's it's not hard to find us. And right. uh, we'll, we'll be taking part in some of the Fallout 76 fifth anniversary celebrations that are coming up, most notably the um, the Fallout 76 anniversary parade. That's uh, something we have a float for tune. And I r- recorded the video for that last night. So that will be will be there. And Season one, or season one, episode one of season three is going to be released on November sixth. So that's that's uh, that's coming up very soon, and this will be our our final season. We're we're bringing it into the station, and uh, it should be a pretty satisfying conclusion. So, since you stole my last question from me, I'm going to add a new one. Do you have any ideas of what you're going to do next? I don't know, man. I might just fade into Bolivian. Yeah, doubt yeah. That. just walk into the sunset. That. Right. <laughs> Uh, mm. No, I, I yeah, I, I mean, there's. I there's, thought uh, I heard a rumor that you were going to do more, but different. I don't. I, I I genuinely don't know. I I may just this may be it. I may go out. I like so in two thousand and three, maybe I won every fantasy sports league that I was in that year in every sport, and I have not played fantasy sports since because I like to go out on top and a winner. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so way to go, man. Like, well, maybe it's my later. Turn. I've been I've been teasing this wayward tales for so long, and I just I'm such a lazy writer. Well, the the, the thing <laughs> is though, the, the thing is though, it's it, it this is not a this is not a zero sum game. There's always room for for more people doing it. That's yeah. that's that's the thing. And 
I, I very firmly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. So the popularity of, of Chad and the popularity of Modus Files has certainly helped the popularity of our show. And I hope the popularity of our show has also done the same for other other creators and other things that have happened in the space, whether they are fallout related shows or whether they're things that I've collaborated with people True on and all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but even outside of the fallout universe, I mean, I've, I've worked on, I've worked with a lot of people in a lot of different areas now. And I got to drop that, Preston as much as I can. Cause Oh yeah. No, Preston's are, sometimes. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think probably because his show isn't, a 76 show and that's he's what a, we tend to focus split. on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, well, and and his his is based in uh it's, it's based off new vegas if ma- I yeah correct. mainly because he's in that area texas yeah. and new vegas right and, and also yeah. at, new vegas at, at, and, and we should we shouldn't forget about machinima people too like uh, the chipmunk show is a is a good example of that speaking of chipmunk and all of that uh just a quick reminder coming up on november 11th and 12th we will all be mm-hmm. out at the pioneer saloon in good springs yeah, Nevada, celebrating the new vegas event we will be out there with our bells on me and chip are supposed to be kind of just hanging out together uh we're gonna have a little booth are you gonna out get there. a bobblehead no i'm not gonna get a bobblehead but i will be interviewing people on their experiences there at at the event and uh, I will be vlogging the entire time. Yep. Maverick will be floating around, probably acting like a crazy person. Um, Yes. Yes. (laughs) Now the chipmunk show is also the only, the the chipmunk show is the only other show that the character of Beth Kirby has appeared in. She has been in there. I have, I have, I have, I have shot with him with Beth's in-game character to, uh, to bring her into the story. So she, yeah, she's the only, that's the only other place where she has, uh, that, that surprised me canon. too when I read the script for that because I do Kalansi and uh, I read the script. And I'm like, what the hell is Beth doing in here? Like, what Spending her horizons. Yeah. I actually have my kids playing um, some uh, geckos in a commercial that they shot for that. My kids come running out uh, shooting fire at Chip. It's funny. Oh my God. That's so yeah. good. All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. I thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Brad, once again, for coming yeah, on the show. thanks for I, coming. I, I would love to have you on again. Um, everybody have a great night. Everybody say good night, please. Good morning. Good night, please. Of course, you had to say something different. <laughs> all right. Good Bye-bye. Morning. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mikola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's the Elden Archives, a FromSoft Lorecast, available everywhere.